Come on, let's go. I just said, come on, let's go, but I mumbled it. And you still understood what I was saying. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. We just mumble our words. We speak and fast forward. A lot of us don't enunciate. And you understand what I'm saying because you've been speaking the language long enough. But if you're just learning the English language, the amount of us butchering it is a little tiresome. Oh, is it tiresome? Is that the right word? I don't know if that's the right word. But let's just say we've developed an ear where we could just blend a bunch of words and rely on the people listening to understand. Like if I were to say, I don't even know. But I said it like this, I don't even know. You would know what I'm talking about. I don't even know. I do not even know. I don't even know. Come on, let's go. I don't even know. Come on, let's go. I don't even know. So I will enunciate to the best of my abilities. I know there's all kinds of listeners. Some people who might need me to slow down a little bit. But today, ah, today's going to be tough because I want to go fast forward mode. I want to go pinball mode. Boing, 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 boing. Topic to topic to topic to topic. Tangent to tangent. Rant to rant. Stay with me. I might lose you. I already feel like I might lose you. So I'm going to have some coffee and you should have some coffee in this moment. You better not go into this episode uncaffeinated. You'll be left in the dust. You have no chance. So Red Bull, coffee, black tea. Is black tea the main one that has caffeine? Green tea. I guess green tea has some caffeine. Yerba mate, matcha, whatever you need, mocha cappuccino, Americano latte. Have something right now because we're going to go full throttle forcefully into episode 178. I think this is 178. It might be 179. I don't know. We're not going backwards. We're just going forwards. Out of a cannon today. Out of a cannon. Which I think used to be a circus act. The trapeze. Acrobats. A bunch of animals quietly being abused. Clowns. And then a guy who gets shot out of a cannon. That's this show we're going shot out of a cannon mode. Alright, because I missed a week. Why did I miss a week? I always record this show even throughout all of my ailments. Some phantom ailments too. For example, yesterday in the car, I was feeling a piercing, shooting pain going through the left side of my chest, and I was certain it was a heart attack. And I just told my wife, and she Googled it, and she said, well, don't worry, only 6% of people that show up at the hospital think they have a heart attack are having a heart attack. I was not having a heart attack. Probably more of a muscle issue, could have been gas, could have been heartburn. It was something shooting, piercing pain into my heart region. Yeah, that'll make you speak up. Some things I'll keep to myself. But that one will make you just mention it in passing. I have sharp shooting pain. Back pain I usually complain about. The MDDS is causing me to have the type of ear pressure where sounds feel distant. So I think I'm going deaf. Like the first 20 minutes of Sound of Metal, which is just such an amazing movie. I have a Sound of Metal sleeping bag. I have a Sound of Metal toothbrush. I have a Sound of Metal towel. I have a Sound of Metal pair of slippers. I'm just really into Sound of Metal. But yeah, when you have audio problems, when your ears are not processing properly and sounds just hurt, makes you worried. And then I was fighting a cold. So I didn't record and nobody asked. I don't have to give you all these excuses of why I missed podcast class, but I missed it. And now I have too many things to talk about. I haven't even talked about anything yet. So if you're listening this long, you're like, get to it, pal. Say something that might matter. Okay, I will. Preschool is way too expensive. Way too expensive. So now we have two kids. So all of our income just goes there. 
just goes there until both kids are in kindergarten, public school, publicly funded education with our tax money. What a beautiful thing. But until that begins to have a four-year-old and now a nine-month-old going into these preschools with their cute names. Oh, our kid goes to Snuggles and Kittens. Making adults have real conversations with these names. Oh, your kid goes to Snuggles and Kittens. Yeah, the curriculum's pretty good. We've noticed some development in her language. Oh, yeah, we started off at Unicorn Glitter Academy. We really liked it, but then they had an ownership change, and we felt like some of the unicorn glitter was fading. Yeah, uh, my nephew started off at uh, Cupcake Colony. He did not like it. No, he didn't like the naps. He didn't like the books. He didn't like the toys. So we transferred him to Ice Cream and Shoe. And then he's going to end up at Bright Stars. These are all just cutesy names that we use for our preschools. None of them are just like San Rafael Preschool, Albany Preschool. You always have to make it cute. Oh, yeah, we're sending her to Fairy, fairy Dust. Fairy Dust University, yeah, FDU. And her transcripts are going to be sent out to Ivy League schools by the time she's five. It's so fucking expensive, and they could charge anything. They know they can charge anything, but sadly, you know, the employees are not making enough money because these angels, these ladies that work there, should be making millions. They're wiping noses and wiping butts all day, changing diapers, just in a zone of germs. It sounds so hard. It's a labor of love. They love our kids. Good daycare workers, good preschool teachers, they love our kids. You've seen it, right? They genuinely do. I imagine they don't get paid what they should, which is weird because we are paying a lot. But here's the point. There's really no state-funded education until you're five. So technically, you could just show up at kindergarten at age five and have no educational training of any sense. And this gets into the issue of equity. I was talking about this with my friend. So families that can't afford preschool are often at a disadvantage immediately. Think about starting inequity for three, four, five-year-olds. I mean, that early in life. So I work at a high school where we talk about the issue of how to close the gap, how to close the gap, what to do with equity, what to do with equity, what to do with equity. It's a good discussion. We're having it, but it should be the discussion for three-year-olds. My friend Ari, he told me, one study showed a white kid from a medium to upper class home has an average of 5,000 more words in their vocabulary than a black kid from a family on welfare. I told you my source is Ari. I don't know where he got that stat, but I'm still going to go with it. 5,000 more words. The point is, I don't even have to research this. I've read a couple of articles on it as well. The families that have the money to send their kids into the world of preschool at age even two, three, four, before they show up at kindergarten where it's free are at an advantage. There's a head start. Or maybe there's even families in the top tier that don't send their kids to preschool, but they just have nanny tutors, au pairs, who are bringing the education into the house. But when you think about the socioeconomic discrepancy, and you've seen the demographics, that's where it becomes so sad immediately. And so this equity issue, by the time they're in high school, it can't be solved. I mean, there's things you could do, but it has to be addressed way earlier. And then you go into these low-income areas. Those low-income moms need to work. Where do they put their kids? I actually don't know. So low-income families where both parents need to work, and they might not be able to afford uh, Cupcake Colony or Fairy Dust School, 
or ice cream and shoe, where do they go? Do they bring their kids to work? I actually don't know. I'm trying to find out some more of the answers. But there is a little guilt right now that I guess my wife and I, even though all of our paycheck is going toward preschools, that we can do it. So I guess that's a privilege you got to recognize. Is it a white privilege? Perhaps. But it's a privilege. Not saying all the kids there are white. There's actually a little bit of diversity in the preschools. But hey, that's beside the point. The point is, if you're showing up to kindergarten with no sort of formal education, the word formal sounds a little too formal right there. But if you're just showing up to kindergarten and you haven't been read to or you haven't had access to preschool teachers and some of the curriculum they use, I don't even know. One of them is called University of Play. I guess they just play, but still it's something. It's something versus a kid who has all the resources right at their fingertips. Then it's just an immediate gap. It's tough to think of kindergarten having such a giant gap immediately. And then what, by the time they're in fourth, fifth grade, you got the gifted and talented. You got the AP kids on their course. And then the other kids, general, what do they call it? Regular education going their separate way. So high schools are so divided and it starts really when they're toddlers. How do you fix it? Well, that's when you need politicians making big decisions like where money is going and how much we're going to be taxed. And it does become a political issue. But I always thought one thing both sides, righties and lefties, could agree on is that we should make sure all kids can succeed. But there I am sounding naive. There I am. There I am sounding a little naive. Doesn't everybody want kids to succeed? It sounds obvious, but clearly it's not the case because these preschools are charging 2500 a month. Holy shit. These politicians who just put on suits and ties and stand in front of podiums or behind podiums, I should say, or next to podiums or around podiums, and they have to say things like, well, preschool will be funded. Well, immigration. Well, here's my thoughts on abortion and gun control and overseas policy and our infrastructure. They just have to present opinions every day that affects so many lives. No, thanks. Who would want to be president? You ever thought about that? What percentage of Americans would actually like that job? I think it's 2.2. 2. 2.2% of all Americans would probably say, yeah, I'd like that. Who the fuck would want to be president of the United States of America? How batshit crazy is that job? No, thanks. You wake up every day. How many death threats have already come your way? You wake up every day and everything you do matters. Or at least it should. I think we put way too much emphasis on the president. And there's this whole executive branch. You know how many people are working in that executive branch telling the president, all right, here's what you should go say. All right, you know what? We've crunched the numbers. Here's what you should go say. Here's what you should go say. Okay, now straighten your hair, you slob. Put in some eye drops. Eye drops. Put in some eye drops. Give him some rouge and foundation, some chapstick. Make him look alive, okay, and get this shit on the teleprompter. And then these people we call president, we all put them under the magnifying glass. Like, it's just them running our country. How antiquated is that? America to have one president who's making big decisions? Like this week, Biden just wakes up and someone goes, Ukraine's on the phone. For me, my big decision this week was trying to find a landscaper. 
That's it. Just trying to get a landscaper to call me back. Could you imagine you wake up and Ukraine's on the phone? And Biden has to answer the call, and then the media is going to tell us what he said. Biden says they're going to pay the price. Biden said he's really going to be stern with Russia. We go, oh, wow, that's the biggest news. What did the president say about Russia and Ukraine? But to have that job, oh, my God, every single day. No, thanks. You actually have to have a personality disorder, right? To be the president? To not be affected by all the haters and doubters and critics and all the crazy people that just want to tear you down? You just go through the whole campaign of saying, I want to be the commander-in-chief, I want to be the leader of the free world. I just, I think my views really should be pushed into so many lives and almost dictate the flow of the planet. I mean, if you're the president of the United States, you make some big-ass decisions throughout the history of the world, or actually throughout the history of our country. These are some decisions that have impacted the entire world, and some people want that job. Holy shit. And one of those jobs, and one of those tasks, is trying to create maybe more of an equal playing field in the world of education and funding preschool. Does it sound very liberal? Government programs to help the needy? All right, I'm moving on, I'm moving on, I'm moving on. The other day I reached under my sink to grab a trash bag and it was all wet. The box, the cardboard box where the trash bags are in, soaking wet. I told my wife, just nonchalant, ah, yeah, it's all wet under there. And she's like, what? It's wet? She got real serious because she understands wet is not good underneath the sink. I said, yeah, it's wet. There looks to be some puddling. And here's probably the worst time to give me an IQ test. When it's anything mechanical, anything breaking around a home where I would have to say things like, maybe it's that. Maybe it's that pipe. Maybe it's the caulking. Maybe, who needs my maybes? She immediately gets down and dirty. So this whole square, this whole box below a sink where you keep a bunch of supplies and trash cans and stuff like that, I could stare into that for three days and come away just with the dumbest look on my face. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why it's wet. But my wife, she's born with this different kind of brain. It's interesting to be married with somebody who has a different kind of brain. And she clears everything out and she assesses the situation and then she says things like, Go ahead and grab me a wrench, the old T-head nine. Give me a saw. Get my putty knife. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know half the things you're saying. And it turns into, oh, I'll just, I'll just get it. I'll just get it. I can't be the sous chef in fixing anything because I don't know the words. But within 18 minutes, she identifies the part. She unscrews it. She sees the crack. I couldn't have found it. She sees it's behind something that's screwing it into something else and there's just a big leak and she goes, all right, you watch the kids. I'm going to Ace. She's going to the hardware store. She comes back. She has the right piece. She has the right tape. She has the right tools. And all of a sudden, there's no leak. And I was already texting people, texting friends. Do you know of a plumber in the area? That's all I can do is text friends. Do you know of a plumber in the area? How did that happen initially where my brain went in this direction of I don't, under I don't understand how anything works. 
I don't understand how anything works. To hers, where she can assess broken shit and fix it? I can't even do a marble run. I can't even do any kids' toys. Birthdays, holidays, that is anxiety for me. Oh, that toy has a lot of parts. And I slowly tiptoe out of the room. Pour another Elijah Craig on the rocks. And watch her go to work. I could, I could, I could kind of help. I could kind of help. Like if she gives me the exact screwdriver, an exact piece, you know, like a monkey and says that one and that one and to the right, right tightens it. Could you really listen this time? You look distracted. She could tell when I'm distracted. Wait, right, tighten, screw, right, tightens, screw. Yeah, fuck face, right, tightens, screw. Okay. These opposite brains are always on display. I think it's good though. Would not have wanted to marry another Josh. Would not have, oh God, would not have wanted to marry someone like me. And that's the fact. We both read in bed at night. We both read in bed. And maybe once every two weeks, we actually tell the other person what we're reading. And I'm always like, it's about a, a baseball player and how he grew up and then how he played baseball. And she's like, well, mine's from the mid 1700s, a period piece. It's a woman who is rescued And on the frontier path, she was reconnected with a cobbler demon from an apocalyptic dystopian volcano, and they ended up merging their souls. I'm like, what are you saying out loud? And it was a New York Times bestseller. Like, wow. Two weeks later, I'm I'm reading another comedian's memoir, and it's about their upbringing and then their life in comedy. What are you reading? And she's like, well, mine's about these robot sea lions that were found on the edge of a cliff. Then by a stroke of luck, these aliens from Mercury came and they were actually marine biologist aliens and they were able to save all the robot sea lions and it's a period piece and it's dystopian apocalyptic and it's more sci-fi. What? Yeah, and it's a New York Times bestseller. And the books she reads tend to be made into movies. And the books I read tend to have 17 to 20 reviews on Amazon, three-star reviews. And I'm probably one of the 70 humans that would even read these books. Mine's about how Carmelo Anthony, he played basketball. And then, uh, actually, yeah, he had a tough life and he kept playing basketball. You? Well, right now I'm reading something from the late 1800s. It's a period piece. And it's how a frontiersman was able to climb up a ladder into the clouds. And he was sprinkled with unicorn glitter and cupcake colony. And now I'm talking about preschools again. It's a New York Times bestseller. And it's being made into a movie. Oh, is it good? Yeah. Would I like it? Oh, God, no. See, my wife knows me now. If I say, ooh, would I like that? (laughs) <laughs> no, you couldn't make it through the first paragraph, dumb fuck. She wouldn't say dumb fuck. That's what you were thinking. And that's why I need you to rethink that comment, okay? That hurts. That hurts. We named our daughter Remy, okay? We named our daughter Remy. Then a few weeks ago, there was a big headline coming out of the Olympic Games that Remy, a skier, had a frozen penis. And I honestly questioned the name. It wasn't the biggest story. I'm not sure if anybody saw it, but 
This is real. This is a cross-country skier named Remy Lindholm. R-E-M-I, same spelling as our cute little nine-month-old. This is a cross-country skier who made national headlines for having a frozen penis at the Winter Olympic Games. Google it. Remy Lindholm. L-I-N-D-H-O-L-M. Headline is, suffers from frozen penis during race. Holy shit. Trained his whole life. Trained his whole life to traverse the tough courses of howling, freezing, chilly winds. And after the race, he was answering questions from reporters and he revealed, yes, I have a frozen penis. Hey, Remy, don't say that. I'm going to get the article up right now. Just Googling Remy frozen penis. There it is, CNN. All right, scrolling. It says the thin suits and underlayers worn by races, as well as plasters to cover their faces and ears, offer little protection. Remy explained that he used a heat pack to try to thaw out his appendage once the race was over. Oh, they're calling it appendage? No, the headline has the word penis. One of my least favorite words, by the way. Yeah. Does anyone like that word? It's almost tough to say. It's not a great word. It's not a gross word. But more importantly, to train for the Olympics your whole life, and that's how people remember you, and that's what happens, and why would that happen? Can we up the protection of these spandex? You almost wonder, does that happen every single race, Remy? It does. Yes, it does. What country is this guy from? Let me see. He is from Finland. Oh, and a tough break for Team Finland. They needed the gold. And Remy Lindholm froze his dick off. Still a cute name, though. Right? Goes both ways, boys and girls. Just like a lot of names. Like Terry. Terry. That's 50-50, right? When I say Remy, what do you think? Boy or girl? Or rat? Or ratatouille rat? You're allowed to think rat. It's weird to know that some names are off limits. Like you can't name a kid Adolf. You can't. Or you really shouldn't. Even if you love the name. If if that name just sounds good to your ears. Adolf. You can't. I'm thinking now Vladimir's going to be tough. With Putin. The way history is going to describe Putin. I I don't think Vladimir is going to be so popular. How about Josh? What do you associate Josh? I'll tell you what you associate Josh with. Youth. You never meet a Grandpa Josh. You notice that? You'll never meet a Grandpa Josh. There are no Grandpa Joshes. This is just a young person's name. Youthful Josh. Josh is like seven to nine years old. Hey, that's Josh. Hey, Josh. There's also many youthful female names. Kirsten. You never meet a Grandma Kirsten. Grandma Kelly. Grandma Caitlin. There's no Grandma Caitlin. Grandma Kirsten. The fuck am I talking about? Let's get back on track. There is a luxurious consignment thrift store in Larkspur called The Real Real. And they were robbed a few months ago. They were robbed by 40 robbers. They broke the glass in front of the store and stole thousands and thousands of dollars worth of clothes. And then those same robbers went to the same consignment store called The Real Real in Palo Alto. And they tried to do it again. That's mysterious, right? 
two luxurious consignment thrift stores. A concept I never knew about. Being robbed in the same night by about 30 to 40 renegades. And yesterday my wife and I went in. There were armed guards. Went in with my kids. Hi, hi, can we come in? Yeah, you can come in. Lady immediately greets me and needed to do a tour. Almost like she needed to eyeball me. Are you a criminal before you come in to this sacred territory? She didn't just let me shop. Sometimes you get someone who's like a clerk who says, can I help you find anything? And you just go, no, just looking in the conversations then. She kind of guided me my first 20 steps. These are candles. I think you're going to like some of these candles. That's menswear and that's winterwear and somewhere. And this is stuff you could just wear right off the rack. And our changing room is right over there. This is our cash register. And that's Diane. She's a bitch, but she'll be helping put your clothes back on hangers. And I'm like, stop, 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 stop. I know what to do. You look at clothes. And I grabbed a shirt and I looked at the tag and it said the words pre-owned and then it said the number 510. I'm not making this up. It was a t-shirt that was $510. At that point, I slowly backpedaled. I looked at my wife and I said, I need to leave. I don't get it. I don't understand how anybody would spend this kind of money on used clothing. It's called Real Real. Can someone help me? What's this concept? This elite spending community that has enough money to buy shirts like that. What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Someone needs to sit this person down. Anyone who would ever buy anything from that store, a shirt that's over $500, and they even have little kids' clothes, pre-owned, used little kids' clothes. My wife grabbed a vest, a puffy vest. It was over $250. I'm not making any of this up. And this was a target for these vigilantes in the middle of the night to go to Larkspur Landing and steal. And the armed guards did nothing. I don't even have a point. I just think it's all weird. It's all weird. All that's weird. A lot of weird shit. There's a lady at Trader Joe's today. She was doing weird shit. She said, do you need help bagging? And usually I like bagging. She was an employee. And I said, "Uh, yeah, you can bag. Like if you want to do something, I was thinking. So I gave her all my bags. She didn't have any clue. She threw eggs on top of bread, on top of apples, on top of bananas. She's like, watching this train wreck and I didn't step in that would have been worse if I said I'll do it I'll do it because I'm pretty good I mean the pandemic we all bagged for ourselves right and I realized I like it it's like a big game of Tetris Josh it's not like a big game of it's Tetris say the word you could do it it's like a big game of Tetris No, you fuckface. Say Tetris, Tetris. Hey, it's Tetris. But bagging groceries is almost fun for me. I don't know why. And watching this woman get lost and fumble around with this really low-pressure task. Not a lot of pressure. And the bagging community? Most baggers are pretty good. But she was so bad, it almost became a show within itself. I couldn't stop watching. She's mixing everything. Frozen foods on top of coffee, toothpaste right on top of toilet paper next to a big pineapple and she'd throw a pineapple right on a loaf of bread. Hey, fuck you, sir. Thanks, ma'am. Trader Joe's, usually wonderful. Actually, it still is. They have stickers and lollipops for your kids. I'm Team TJ Faux Life, folks. 
I think people are friendlier there because we're all in each other's way constantly. Like you have to be friendly. You can't be in a rush. If you're in a rush at Trader Joe's, you ruin the flow of the whole store. Like it's okay if someone reaches over your shoulder because they're so nice. They go, hey, excuse me, just got to get one of those. Thanks so much. If they just reached over your shoulder without the friendly banter, that's almost going to cause a fight. But everyone knows the friendly tone of getting involved in everybody's business. Arms reaching over shoulders, under legs. Just got to grab one more of these. Thanks. Small aisles, lots of traffic, but everyone's nice. Everyone's nice. If you're not nice at Trader Joe's, I think there's an enforcer in the back who comes out, puts a metal collar on you and a leash and just rips you right out of the store. Maybe not. Hey, you know what? I think it's time to slow things down. I think it's time to connect. I think it's time to be here now. Ladies and gentlemen, Red Garland. 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 Control is a human desire. I just read this in one of the many books of Buddhism. Here's the path to freedom. Because we all have mental attachments. So here's the path to freedom. Control is a human desire. We want to control way more things than we can control. We just do. Shitty people at work, you want them to be less shitty. Your shitty salary, you want more money. Issues with family members, you want less issues. Things that annoy you about your parents, your kids, neighbors, anyone. You just want it to be different. Politicians making decisions that you don't agree with. So control, I want to control this. It's just how most people live their whole lives. I want, I want, I want. But the freedom... The path to freedom, if you could just work on releasing, accepting, not seeking all that control, and to understand that control doesn't even exist, doesn't even exist, and that realization is the path to freedom. You want to be free? Let go. So this book I was reading, I think Dr. Neil... Holy shit, cup, cup, something starts with a C. I should have grabbed that book. But Dr. Neil, boy, is that vague, has a whole chapter on this. Releasing the attachment to all these things that are not good for us, these stresses that keep us up at night. And I think the awareness, that awareness of, you know what? I care way too much about this shit and I could never change it. Never. It'll always be that. It'll always be that. So you actually visualize it as a bubble floating away. Or you visualize your own hands gripping it and then releasing it. Even if it's an issue. If it's an issue. Like this one kid. This one human in my life. Constantly making my blood boil with anger. That person's always going to make your blood boil. They're never going to stop. 
Sure, you could detach. You could try to just keep making changes, keep making changes. But wherever you go, there you are. You can't really just hide from everything and all the stresses in a stressful journey called life. So this existence is all about releasing. Constantly releasing and accepting. Releasing and accepting. And that's not how we're wired. Which is why most of us are stressed. A lot of us are stressed. I guess it's normal to feel a certain level of stress. Ladies and gentlemen, Red Garland. Let me interrupt my bullshit for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Red Garland. Control is a human desire. <laughs> Thanks, Red. Ooh, that's a statement chord. The path to freedom, not to seek that control. I think it was more profound when I read it. I thought Red Garland was really going to help me bring that point home. All right, Red. Take five, bud. I'm wrapping up with this. I'm wrapping it up. I'm reading the Dave Grohl book. The Storyteller. Holy shit, it's good. This is one of the best memoirs. I know, I know. I'm a one-trick pony. I just read memoirs. But this is one of the better ones you're going to read. If you're a Foo Fighters fan or Nirvana fan or just a fan of music, his stories are as good as any rock stars I've ever heard. We've all heard great rock star stories from Led Zeppelin to Elvis. Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison. I mean, rock star stories are just the best, right? Because they're different than us. They live a different life. It's a different lifestyle. That's why we all want to consume it. We all want to read their memoirs, watch their documentaries behind the music. But Dave Grohl has such a warm soul. He's such a sweet person, yet he writes so beautifully. Every sentence is like really well-crafted, and you would never know he has this skill. I think it's him writing. I don't think there's a ghostwriter. Maybe. What do I know? But his stories are phenomenal, and I'm just at the part of the book where he's toiling away with a punk band called Scream. Young, dropped out of high school, and Nirvana needs a new drummer. They had seen him play on a tour that went through the state of Washington and they called him and he went up there. And what I didn't realize is he wasn't the drummer for bleach. One of Nirvana's first albums. And then Nirvana, nevermind when I'm like 10, 11 years old, which was just like the great album that we all loved. Smells like teen spirit. Dave Grohl said, as he and Kurt are living in this real shitty apartment, they're so broke as they're writing all the songs to nevermind. I would have figured like they had a huge, production company, an agent, they had nothing. They had absolutely nothing. Poor people were recording Nirvana Nevermind. With all those incredible songs, they were all dirt poor. They didn't even have enough gas money to get to the studio to record the songs for that album. And the album covers that naked baby, and then that naked baby grew up and sued them. Didn't win the lawsuit. That's all true, what I just said. That album cover is a naked baby, and that baby became a man that didn't like being the naked baby on the album cover, and it sued him. And he didn't win the lawsuit. He sued him. You'd think he would win the lawsuit. Like, hey, don't use my naked body for your album cover. You know that famous album cover? And I don't think he won the lawsuit. Maybe he did. I don't think I have the facts on that one. I wish I had the facts. Ladies and gentlemen, Red... No, Red's done. Take five. Oh, he's still on his break. He's having a cigarette outside? Okay, I'll join him. Let's get out of here. That's episode... Actually, I don't know. Let me look. Hold on. That's episode 178. Uh-huh. It's in the books. It's all done. We'll do this again soon. Okay? Whoops. I think I always say I'll talk to you soon. That one was, we'll do this again soon. I don't like that at all. 
I want to press rewind and just re-record. Okay, episode 178, it's in the books. I'll talk to you soon.